you join me. Ah, a tremendously exciting moment. It's into your head. Number 800, and I've already made most of it. I think I have anyway. I'll find out when I go back and listen to it and see if it's usable. Uh, but no, there's no pressure on me now. I can start the episode without feeling any pressure to, to do another hour of this crap. I've already done uh, at least another, well, you say an hour. We'll see what we'll see what it boils down to when I go through it for quality control. Uh, it might turn out to be a lot. There is, in fact, in fact, now that you mention it, there is a... Uh, the climax of this episode is actually uh, about crap, uh, but it's very good, don't worry. It's not disgusting or anything. It's more about milk than crap. Well, you'll see, you'll see when we get there. You'll see when, it's like that song, uh, I'll see you when you get there. If you ever get there. If you ever get there. There's a rap song or something, or some fella going, I'll be here when you get there. It mightn't have been what I originally said, is, which is that, I'll see you when we get there, whoever it was. It's a voice to say, I did a little bit of a musical uh, interlude very early on the show. That's, that's a good thing, as far as I'm concerned. It's a good, it means I can hold off on the opening theme music uh, for at least a few minutes and put it in later on and treat this like it's some sort of a, what do you call it? a cold open. That's what we call it. This is a cold open. It's actually quite cold here. It's getting cold. It's getting as cold as be damned. It's the midst of winter here uh, in Ireland. Uh, the sun is freezing the rocks. The sun is shining down the rocks and freezing them. There was an advertisement on Irish television in the 1980s. Uh, some fella... Oh, I think he was abroad or something. He was going on about how hot it was. Uh, he says he could, he could fry an egg on the rocks if you had an egg. And what he meant was he did, he meant he didn't he wouldn't need a stove or anything. You could just fry the egg using the heat from the sun. That was probably complete bullshit. I think the idea was there was some Irish fellow who was abroad who never seen the sun before or experienced temperatures above seventy degrees uh, Fahrenheit, whatever you foreigners call it. And he was basically exaggerating it in his mind, thinking, oh, this is great. I could fry an egg on the rocks here. Oh, well, you can't. You clearly can't. The man was an idiot. Whoever wrote the advertisement for, uh, for whoever it was was an idiot. Because uh, if you could fry an egg just by having the sun shining down on some rocks, nobody in Ethiopia in the 1980s would have been starving to death. Bob Geldof and Live Aid would never have had to happen. Although I'm sure he'd have found something else to do something about what no that's ridiculous that fucking idiot i don't know what the ad was for now can't even remember everyone everyone here knows it though everyone who was around in the 1980s there's a very famous line uh brian egg on the rocks if you had an egg ho 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 very wishy very wishy indeed i'd look it up for you now but i'm not at my computer i'm at my I'm at my recording device and nothing else. There's nothing else here in this room around me other than the beverage and the recording device and the tablet, uh, which is just for recording, uh, and the ukulele, which we'll get to later, and my phone and two harmonicas, although the second one isn't very good. We'll get to all that later. We'll get to all that later. This is a cold open... 
It's a cold open, even though I'm nearly finished. I'm nearly at an end of this recording session. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Everyone should do everything backwards like this. You feel great. If you're going for a run, have you doing? If you set out to do an hour of a run, go jogging for an hour every morning. You should do it backwards. Do the end of the run first. You go here. I'm at the final approach. I'm coming back up to my house. Uh, so when you go out, walk down the road a bit and then do the final leg. Pretend you're really tired and that you've been running for the last 50 minutes and you're on the final stretch now and you're you're running down, you get to your house, you go, oh, I'm home, that was great, I've been running for an hour, and you'll feel great, because you'll still be, you'll still be well rested, because you've only just started, you haven't done the rest of the run yet, but then when you're doing the rest of the run, feel no pressure, you'll know that uh, you've already done the end of the run, and it felt fantastic, because you weren't tired at all, so you must have had a great run, it's it's about tricking your brain, anyway, on with the show. I just realised uh, that opening I just did was oh, it was extremely inaccurate and poorly thought out. Because uh, if I'm doing the beginning of my podcast last, uh, that's the complete opposite to doing the the end of my morning run first. That doesn't make any sense at all. It makes no sense at all. Uh, now, I'm not going to do anything to fix it. Uh, I just want to make you aware that I am aware uh, that that didn't make sense. I don't want you to, to go away thinking that I'm an idiot who didn't figure out that that doesn't make sense. No, I did figure it out. I figured it out just now. After I finished that segment, I sat here. I just sat here staring into space for about five minutes, waiting to see was any more. Uh, was there going to be any more words coming out of me today? Uh, I went browsing. I went browsing my own website on my phone as well to see if I to see if I'd fixed the header image properly. I hadn't. It looks ridiculous on my phone. But while I was doing that, it occurred to me that what I just said in the cold open made no sense whatsoever. And that's why we're still in the cold open. I haven't started the show yet. I'm extend. I'm hereby extending the cold open because uh, I don't want to leave. I don't want to build up the big opening theme music thing and have you thinking during it, this fella's a fucking idiot. He's a fucking idiot. No, I don't want you thinking that. But now I've put this in, at least you you'll know now he may be uh, coming late to the party late to the table of realizing that what he just said is inaccurate but at least he's done it and he's had the decency he's had the decency and the professionalism to come in and correct himself before he even starts his show proper i hope that's what he'll think and i hope you'll think of that when you're remembering the a new feed here podcast was away for seven years and we just come back with a new feed uh so i hope you'll think of this when you decide deciding whether or not to go and click five stars in iTunes under this thing. I just remember you're you're rating me for my professionality and honesty and diligence. Uh, belated diligence, but not too belated. It's only about six minutes into the cold open. I've already corrected myself. I've corrected the record. Uh, how many programs do you know that correct the record before they've even started? Very, very few, I can tell you. Very, 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 very 
few, very, in fact, a lot of drama programs, uh, they'll intentionally do quite the opposite. They'll have the cold open that misleads you into thinking everyone's dead and they don't correct you until about two episodes later. Uh, like on The Walking Dead did a lot of that. Uh, well, this podcast is not going to be like The Walking Dead. It is not. Uh, for one thing, The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead did not go on for 800 episodes because everyone got sick of it after about 150. Uh, so no, there's going to be none of that crap. There's going to be no... We're not going to be basing my podcast off The Walking Dead. We're just not. Anyway, on with the show. join me at a tremendously exciting moment the show is pretty much all made uh, so it's still there's still the same me who you heard during the cold open i still have it all done i uh, just wanted to add this extra bit in here the me of the future to address the me of the future here who's about two hours into my future and he's He's editing this thing, he's snipping away, cutting things out, cutting out all things like me going, ah, ah, which has always been part of this podcast charm. I'd like to just say to the me of the future, don't overdo the editing, don't cut out everything, because someday I'll be gone and you won't have me to edit, and then what will you do? You'll be fucked. Although now, hold on a minute. If he's in the editing process two hours ahead of me, uh, and then I'm gone at some at some point I die. The me who's two hours ahead of me editing me down, he'll have died two hours before that. So when the me of the future who's editing this down, trying to shorten everything and make it go on for less long and make it more snappy, if he dies two hours in the future, then there's nobody editing me down. So I can go on forever. So all I have to do is keep talking for the rest of the eternity and then I'll never die because he won't be editing me down at the end. So that's fantastic. I've just figured that out, except I haven't. I figured this out about 15 minutes ago and I already recorded a great segment explaining it uh, was much better than this and then I realised I wasn't record and me, so me of the future who's editing this in the future and who's going to it going oh this is too long I'm going to cut out this bit I'm going to snip out this bit I'm going to shorten this I'm going to remove all the ahs and all the or oh, all the noises he makes and going to make it short and snappy. No, don't, because you're just you're just shortening our lives. Uh, but if you decide, if you decide not to listen to me, that's okay. When you die, you're going to be two hours in my future, because that's when you're starting the editing process. So when you die, I'll be still alive, but he won't be editing me anymore. So there'll be nobody to cut me short. So all I have to do then is just keep talking forever. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Anyway. Two cats walk into a bar. One of the cats goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, can I have a... <coughs> can I have a... Oh, a quarter of a pint of your finest... Uh, I don't know what I have today. Uh, what do I feel like having? I don't 
know. Uh, you tell me you're the bar man. And the man behind the bar goes, I'm not the bar man. I'm 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 standing at the other side of the bar. You're you're overlooking you're looking over the bar and then over the area behind the bar and then over the part of the bar that's at the other side of the bar because it's one of those oval-shaped bars. Uh, I don't know why you're talking to me at all. I'm just another customer. In fact, I'm the cat who you came in with. I'm thinking, you have recognise me. Uh, do cats not recognise faces? Uh, I'm here uh, sitting... Down. In fact, this is where, when we came into the bar, uh, you said to me, you sit down there and I'll go around and find the barman. He's probably over there at the bar. Uh, for some reason you didn't realise that the place where you were leaving me to sit down was in fact part of the bar and uh, it's just over there and then you go over there and you say hello can I have a pint of your finest whatever it is with your shouting over to me uh, you've you've overshot the bar area. That's what you've done. Uh, you've shouted from the other side of the bar, across the bar area to the oh to the other side of the bar, uh, to your fellow customer uh, behind the bar. Uh, except he's not behind the bar. Uh, he's well, he's behind the bar from the barman's point of view, in that he's at the opposite side of the bar to where the barman sits. So I suppose. I suppose if you're if you're in an oval shaped bar uh, and you keep going thinking of everyone else as being in front of the bar, I that must be very confusing. Because everyone else, you know damn well as a barman, uh, that everyone in the bar was thinking, oh, that's the man behind the bar. Uh, so the rest of us are in front of the bar. We're all in front of the bar, uh, but the bar extends around almost in the circle. So that means everyone's in front of the bar no matter what direction they're in. That's not feasible. That's just going to cause confusion in the long run. Uh, not least because a lot of the people involved are intoxicated. Uh, no, no, there needs to be a better system than that. And the man behind the bar says, I'm still not the man behind the bar. I'm still your friend, the cat at the other end. And the other cat says, no, wait a minute, you're confused now. I'm the cat who shouted over at you. Can I have a quarter of a pint of your finest, whatever I said there was? So you're the... Oh, wait a minute. Because you're thinking of me as behind the bar as well now. You're confused too. You're looking at me all the way over here at the other side of the horseshoe. And you're thinking, that's the man behind the bar. Uh, well, except you clearly know it's me, your friend, the other cat. But you're also thinking of me as being behind the bar. You're probably wondering what I'm doing here, are you? And the other cat will say, I'm the other cat. I'm not involved in this at all. It's traditional two cats walk into a bar story. We all know full well that the tradition is that one of the cats goes up to the bar uh, starts the conversation with the man behind the bar and the other cat is just never heard of again he presumably goes down to some seat somewhere to wait for his wait for his rounds to arrive that's the tradition and the other cat says that's nothing to do with me the tradition do you think if goldilocks or whoever it was in that fairy oh no let's say hansel and gretel in that fairy story do you think when the witch came along to put them in the oven they said hansel we'd better escape and then uh, gretel do you think gretel went no no it's tradition that we get cooked to death by this witch in her in her oven in the Oh, and the house made of sweets. So we have to do that. We have to conform to tradition. They do not. They do no such thing. Although, that's probably because they don't exist. And they're not. They're characters in the story who are, are not yet self-aware. 
uh, they don't become self. We don't have self-aware characters in stories until around uh, the latter half of season one of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and that's only because there's some sort of revolt with the the fictional holodeck entertainment system. Uh, so even that isn't real. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, on with the show. And the other cat says, what do you mean on with the show? It's not, we're not part of the show, we're not in control. You're always obsessing over the show. We are two characters in a story that happens to be being talked about in a show. But the show has nothing to do with us and it's none of our business and we don't need to be involved with in it at all. If we were involved in it, uh, we would expect to at least get paid properly. And if we, uh, we presume they aren't getting paid properly because I don't see a paycheck coming in here, do you? So if we are involved, in the story as far as I'm concerned we're on strike we're on actor strike uh, fictional characters actor strike until we start to get paid and the other cat says well then how in the name of Christ do you propose to pay for your round and the other cat says it's not real yeah, I'm trying to tell you that it's not her of this is real we don't have to pay for it at all. In fact, if you listen to all of these stories over the last 800 episodes or so, uh, they very, 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 very rarely even mention uh, the part where the cat pays for the point. Uh, sometimes they'll say, the barman will say something about the cat not having money or something. But no, we never go up to a point. the point where the cat goes... Uh, oh, I acknowledge that it's time to pay for this fictional pint now. Here's some money. You do not. You do. Although we should try that now. Since it be something original since we haven't done it before. And then the cat says, uh, Would you like to pay your tab? And uh, the cat at the other end of the bar says, uh, no, I'm just the other customer over here, sir. And the other cat says, yes, I know, I'm behind the bar, so I'm asking you, do you want to pay your tab? I'm clearly the barman, I'm behind the bar. And the other cat says, no, as we've already explained, you're, you're behind the bar, but you're also in front of the other side of the bar. You're right over at the other end of the horseshoe-shaped bar. Uh, so you're outside of the bar. The fact that you can see me over the bar uh, does not mean that I'm inside or behind the bar or you. Uh, means you're looking at me over two bars, uh, essentially. I know it's the same bar, but uh, you know what I mean. In fact, it's probably not the same bar because there's probably a gap somewhere where the where the barman goes in and out into the lounge area. Uh, he doesn't just jump over the bar, I presume. Uh, maybe he does, I don't know. Does he jump? Let's ask him. Barman, do you jump over the bar? And the other cat says, no, no, I'm still the other cat. Look, I'm over here, look. I uh, just pretend you got lost in some weird hall of mirrors and that you're seeing me here at the other end of the bar. Uh, but it's a trick of the light. It just looks like I'm behind the bar. I'm not. I'm outside the bar. I'm over here, way over the other. Is this making any sense to the listeners, I wonder? Is he explaining it properly? Because this is something you'd have to be good at. You'd have to be good at describing something like this for the listeners to be able to understand it. So I hope he's describing it okay. I'm not sure. I'm not 
really sure. Although not, I really care. I'm on strike at the moment. And the other cat says, that's fine. That's fine. But how do you propose to pay me? And the other cat says, I don't, because you're not the barman. You're my friend, the other cat at the other end of the bar. You're either the cat who's gone down to sit down at the other end of the bar while I get the rounds in, or you're the cat who went up to get the rounds in while I sat here waiting for you or something. I forget which. Uh, it's all a bit of a blur at the moment. It's possibly because we're stuck in a fucking hall of mirrors. A hall of mirrors! And the other cat goes, I don't know what a mirror is. Do you know what a mirror is? Uh, and his friend, the other cat, says, I don't know what a mirror is. Do you know what a mirror is? Oh, that's a little joke for you. I mirrored what you were saying. And the other cat says, I'm going to claw your eyes out when I get back over there. I'm going to claw your eyes out. I'm going to use all four of my, all four of my paws. I nearly said all four of my claws, but uh, on a cat, that would just be one paw. That would be a minimal list attack. No, no, I'm going to use the claws on all four of my paws, uh, which is probably something like 16 claws, is it? Do cats have four claws or something, her tree? Do they have a fourth or fifth claw that's like a thumb that points the other way? I don't think so, because... Uh, my wife always likes to go on about them not having opposable thumbs. Well, maybe they don't have opposable thumbs, but maybe they have a thumb that's just uh, that's just parallel to the other fingers and it's kind of short but doesn't move the way our thumbs do. You could call that a thumb. Although, why would you? We're just cause confusion. Why would you call it that? I don't know. Anyway, suffice to say... Someone eventually comes up to the bar and says, Where's the fucking barman? Where in the name of Christ is the fucking barman? This is a bar. There's two cats in here yelling at each other over the bar. They don't seem to know what they're doing either. Uh, they're trying to figure out whether they're inside the bar or out of it and whether the other one is behind the bar or outside of it. If someone doesn't take control of this soon, we're going to have two cats who both think they're partners in some sort of weird bar operation and they'll be taking orders from each other and paying each other. Although I don't think they'll be paying each other because cats don't handle money. They never they never get to the bar about the money in these stories. But no, if someone doesn't uh, take charge of this soon, it's just going to be mayhem because that's what happens when you leave a bar on... Uh, untended by a bartender, as you Americans call them. You Americans like to call them bartenders, uh, which makes little sense. Tender means money. Tender is something you offer for payment in return for a death. Bartender doesn't tender things. How does he? Uh, either way, it's stupid. Just call it a barman or a bar person or a bar cat or a bar, whatever the hell you want to call it. Ah, they're probably all going to be replaced with robots soon anyway. You have robots doing everything. There's people going around with robots. They're going around, they have robots attached to the fronts of their cars. Oh, they just move left and right and left and right and left and right and left and right and left and right all day, keeping the rain off the windscreen. Uh, they just, no one thinks, no one thinks of windscreen wipers as robots, but that's exactly what they are. Uh, you go into a factory that has factory arms working, and the first thing you'll notice is, 
oh, that thing, that robot arm on the conveyor belt there that's doing all that factory conveyor belt repetitive work, that looks exactly like a windscreen wiper. And then, of course, some smart arse will point out to you that you're in a windscreen wiper factory and that's not a robot arm, that's an actual windscreen wiper that's attached to, oh, it's attached to a mechanism that's testing it. They, it is, it's, there's no windscreen there, but they move it back and forward automatically 10,000 times uh, just to quality control to test its strength and then of course uh, they're only designed to do uh, 8,000 wipes so by the time they've done the 10,000 uh, wipes in the factory uh, that's the fucking thing worn out so they have to sell them as oh they have to sell them as uh, wherever you call them knockoffs or something that's not really a very good idea for a business but it's a bit late to be worrying about that when you already have the factory set up and you've already got the wipers moving 8,000 times more than they're supposed to no no there's the time to think of that oh it's like your one with the chimney uh, there is this song uh, what's she going to look like with a chimney on her she going to look like with a chimney I don't know uh, was this uh, known about outside of Ireland and the UK, this song? That's about 10 or 15 years ago. There was this woman on the radio every five minutes and going, What's she going to look like with a chimney on her? What's she going to look like with a chimney on her? What's she going to look like with a chimney on her? Do, do, do. Where's my ukulele? Yes, I did say my ukulele. I have my ukulele now. Uh, she didn't say that during the song because uh, it's one of those songs where the music is all coming out of a DJ or a keyboard or something, I assume. Uh, she goes, What's she going to look like with a chimney on her? She going to look like with a chimney on her? She gonna look like with... Uh, my wife would be delighted now. Uh, she, she found this ukulele in a shop yesterday and I told her, oh, I'm sure I'll use it, but you can't force creativity because uh, I didn't want her to have all the expectations of me managing to use it on the very first recording session since she came back with it. Because you can't force creativity like that. Uh, but it turns out you can. You can force creativity like that. So I was wrong. Uh, my wife was right about this. Uh, whatever you call it. That's the ukulele. I have some other stuff in Oh, it's rattling. Uh, the label is rattling on it. Uh, maybe that's part of a. Maybe that's part of a side instrument. There's a kind of plastically round label on it. It's supposed to what's called. There we go. We got rid of that now. Anyway, uh, on with the show. Oh yes, I was explaining about the woman with the chimney. Uh, well, she didn't have a chimney herself, but she was in the song. Uh, from what I understand, uh, she was. Oh, she was talking about her her other half uh, who was with, caught with some other woman and she was going about the woman. What's she going to look like with a chimney on her? It was basically a threat. She was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to jam a chimney on over her uh, like it's a... Oh, like it's a, I don't know what to do with. I mean, it's a new type of violence I'm not familiar with. I can imagine pushing someone down a chimney if you're on the roof or somewhere, but with a chimney on her, uh, presumably that means like putting on a straight jacket on a on a mental uh, mental home prisoner as a last resort. You put a chimney on someone. 
Uh, Sue saying, what's she going to look like with a chimney on her? What's she going to look like with a chimney on I think, to be perfectly honest, I think that song is more suitable to my harmonica to, than to my ukulele. Uh, but maybe as I get used to and learn how to play it properly, uh, it'll, I'll be able to make it fit in more. Um, I, I assume... Uh, you assume you play a ukulele pretty much the same way you play a guitar or a banjo or something like that. Uh, so perhaps one day I'll learn to play a guitar or a banjo or something like that and then I'll be able to play this properly. Until then, uh, it's the harmonica all the way. Uh, anyway, on with the show. Now, uh, I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, what's all that about? What's all that about with the... Uh, with the bar and the ukulele and the cats and the cradle and the silver spoon. Uh, little boy blue and the man on the moon. Where are you going to go, son? I don't know where. I know we get together then, boy. Or something, something, something then. Do, 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 do. And the cats and the cradle and your silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. Where are you going to go, son? I don't know where. I know we'll get together then, though. I know we'll have a good time then. Todd Stevens, I saw him once. Well, that's a lie. I didn't see him once. Uh, although I suddenly managed to convince myself that I did. Uh, was that a, oh, I was at an accountancy revision seminar on a, on a sunny summer in the middle of Sunday once in Dublin and the lecturer saw fit to come in on the Sunday afternoon and tell us that Tat Stevens is giving a talk in the room next door and we're supposed to go, oh, that's fine. I'm sure this accountancy revision seminar will be far more interesting than that. And we may well have been, because I don't know what kind of a speaker Cat Stevens is. Uh, I just, I don't know. You don't tell people that. You don't tell people, I'm, it's Sunday afternoon, uh, you're spending your whole weekend going to these extra classes to talk about the fucking accountancy that you're uh, already bored to death by. Uh, and he comes in and says, oh yeah, Cat Stevens is in the next lecture hall uh, doing something or other. Uh, but fuck you, accountancy lecturer. F- fuck you. Uh, I ended up dropping out of accountancy not long after that. Well, I say not long after that. Uh, it wasn't long. It was long after that. I went on for another about for another four years after that. Uh, but that may well have been the cause of my... Uh, of oh, my failure to fully embrace a, 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 a career in accountancy and finance. That may well have been part of it. Uh, so, Cat Stevens, uh, your fans, uh, your fanboy, well, I can't necessarily say he's a fan because you were in the next room and this lecturer didn't manage to make an excuse to get himself out of an accountancy lecture and go and see you instead. Uh, so no, can't really accuse him of being a fanboy. And this was something like 20 years ago anyway. So if even if he was a fanboy, uh, he'd be 20 years older by now. So if he was safer, even if he was something like a three-year-old fanboy, I would now be a 23-year-old fan. You can't call a 23-year-old a fanboy. You cannot. I know you think you can. You you people on the internet, you say about Apple people, you say, that Apple person is an Apple fanboy. But no, you can't say it about. If you, you can only say it about someone on the internet uh, if you can credibly claim to not know, credibly purport, rather, to to not know their actual age, then you can call someone a fanboy. 
uh, no matter what age they are. But if you see someone and it's clear that he's at least 30 and you're calling him a fanboy, that just means you were a very, very, very poor judge of age. In which case, you should be very careful because you'll end up, how oh, you'll end up with a 10 year old trying to marry them or something. Yeah, but no, if someone's, uh, if someone was a fan, if you're accusing someone of being a fanboy at the age of three and then you see them again 20 years later, uh, perhaps they're giving an accountancy lecture, don't, even if they still appear to be acting like a fanboy, don't call them a fanboy because everyone else is going to know straight away. Either you're lying or you're very bad with numbers because you can't add three plus 20 and come up with 23 years. Uh, that's, that's not good. You're at an accountancy revision session seminar you're coming up to your exams and you can't figure that out 20 plus 3 is 23 which means he's not a boy anymore he's a 23 year old fan man i uh, know that looks bad uh not that it really matters because it's not like the, the revision seminar is being assessed or anything the exams are run by a completely separate body uh, in fact the, the revision seminar wasn't even run by the same place where I was going to college so it's basically strangers who i'd never have to see again for the rest of the year so it's probably, it's probably, it's probably all perfectly fine. So forget I even mentioned it. Forget I even mentioned worrying about what age someone is when you call them a fanboy at an accountancy revision lecture in 1994. Just forget I said it. Just forget I said it. That's, that's the good thing though about my first year of accountancy college. So there was plenty of separation involved because I went to an independent college. Uh, they just rang the classes. Uh, then I went to an independent revision seminar in another place that just ran those classes and you never had to see them again. Then I went to exams that were run by another separate body again. I don't know if I remember right, either random in some cow shed or something. Some place where they usually have farm shows or car exhibitions or something. And then a few years later, I ended up doing another exam in a, oh, in a boxing arena. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. But also absolutely ideal if you want separation of church and state, so to speak. You want your exams run by one place, your revisions run by another. What in the name of Christ am I talking about? Uh, if anyone knows what in the name of Christ I'm talking about, uh, don't write it down because uh, you'll be able to make... If you do, you'll be able to make your own podcast and express it more coherently than I did. I don't want you to do that. If you're planning to do that, you've no, list you've no business listening to a podcast that's 800 episodes in because you hate this fucking thing so much that you want to remake it in your own image and steal the content then you're not a fan of this podcast you don't even like it so why are you still listening 800 episodes deep what in the name of Christ where are you even saving these files I don't even have all 800 episodes thank Christ because the first four or five hundred are shit the first 400 episodes of this podcast I've decided they're now officially pilots I never want to see or hear of them again. If anyone ever comes up with the first 400 episodes and say, here, I've got some of your earlier work, I'll say, that's very, very unkind of you. That's very mean of you to save them. How dare you? You absolute fucking shithead cunt. Uh, oh, you know, I think I might have had a little too much energy drink today. I had a, had a monster energy drink. Then I had a... Oh, I had a standard Red Bull size off-brand energy drink. And then earlier on, I had a, 
I had a I had a coffee made with two heaped teaspoons of uh, strong instant coffee, and then I had. Uh, oh, now I'm sipping away a caffeinated Coca-Cola. Uh, but that's just to lubricate me. I think my mouth might be over-lubricated. It's going to be a nightmare in the editing process, I can tell you. Because now I'm talking about it here, which means I'll be talking about something that you haven't noticed because I've managed to edit it out. So I probably won't have because I can feel the spit in my mouth now. I thought the whole point of lubricating your mouth while you're speaking is it makes it sound less disgusting to the ear of the listener. But no, I can feel it. Going the other way now, I've managed to avoid having dry mouth by having extremely wet mouth instead. How do you avoid that? Do you just... Uh, do you just take, do you just drink a sip every now and then, and then every time, every second sip you spit it out, or you don't drink it? You take a every time you feel inclined to automatically without thinking of a feature for a sip of drink like this. Uh, like that, you see. But I'm doing it too much, presumably, so I should have a system whereby every second time I reach for this bottle, some sort of lever thing comes into it. I'll get some inventor to invent this. Some kind of lever system comes into place where every second time I tilt this bottle, it over tilts and it tilts it into a bucket beside me, which then collects it safely in a in a bottle somewhere for reuse later. And that'll maybe that'll work. You see all these there's videos on YouTube of these contraptions that these inventors made where they they have a big robotic system set up with clockwork shit and all that makes their dinner, pours everything onto the plate, pours out a drink for them. Uh, there's some, fe- if there was a proper podcast now, I would provide a link to this, but there's some fella who sets up contraptions in his kitchen whereby uh, when it's time for his dinner, pulls a lever somewhere and it starts off a whole system where it empties some stuff into a bowl and it triggers the kettle to come on and then the kettle tilts over and pours into a cup and all this crap. If someone could invent that but for this Coke bottle so the heavy second time I reach for it and try to pour it into my mouth, it tilts, oh, it tilts a few degrees too far. So I suppose then it could pour, it could pour it down the front of my t-shirt I suppose but have a collection device in there I could have a that's what I could do I could quite easily see myself being made by this contraption to to accidentally accept it by design tilt the bottle too much so that instead of going into my mouth it goes down the front of my chest and then you could have something there to gather up the liquid it would be like a oh like a piss bag like they're having hospitals except we gather the stuff that's uh, not drool, but it's coke that you're trying to drink. But yeah, oh, it tilts down into the... That would be an idea now, wouldn't it? We'd have to be sanitary, of course. You can't just use a piss bag the same way. Because you don't want to reuse these liquids. I can't be having a thing, I can't be having a thing that makes me waste half of, my, half of my beverage. No, I just wanted to collect... Uh, every second time I take a sip, I want it to tilt too much so it doesn't go into my mouth and instead it goes into a collection system. I'd have a bag attached down the front of my t-shirt, I suppose. It doesn't have to look, it doesn't have to be concealed or anything. No one's watching me. There's no audience in here watching me do that. Uh, so no, it would just have to be kept and kept that reasonably. Actually, that would cool me down as well because this liquid is chilled. I'd be pouring down this here. Uh, although now that you mention it, it's rather cold in here. I wouldn't want to be cooled down. Uh, I suppose I could do it with coffee. But then that would burn the chest off me. I don't know. See, this is why you leave these things to the inventors. You leave them to the... You say, inventor, you invent something like this. 
fine. I'll just carry on. I'll just be the talent. And you do the stupid fucking invention thing and the accountancy thing and the... Oh, the admin, all that stuff, and all the inventing machineries and doing science and all. Uh, pe other people need to do all that so people like me can just concentrate on our talent. Into your head! Now, uh, I know what you're thinking there. You're thinking, oh, this is an awful mess today. This is an awful mess. It's a mess. It's a disorganized as be damned. Uh, he's got this ukulele that he's trying to crowbar into the program. Uh, he's got something about a accountancy and Cat Stevens. Uh, something about some cats who can't figure out how a bar works. Uh, we've got some... I don't think he even finished that two cats walk into a bar story, did he? I know. I know it didn't seem to be going anywhere at first. We did get to the point where some customer was concerned that there would be... I think I said some customer was concerned that there would be place would just fall into disarray with no barman and nobody able to focus on the barman because uh, everyone who tries to focus on the barman just ends up looking across one side of the bar then across the bar area then across to the other side of the bar at the other end of the the horseshoe shaped bar or whatever it is so they can't focus on the barman and of course the barman would have a similar problem if there is a barman there at all oh no he wouldn't he would, that's not true when he was approaching the bar he's coming in for his ship uh he'd get up to the bar he'd think oh there's the bar counter there if i go over now through the gap there and into the bar area then i'll be behind the bar but then he'll get there and he, he won't be thinking about it and he'll see the he'll see the other side of the bar then the other end of the horseshoe and we say oh there's the bar there it's still in front of me so i need to go to the other side of that thing it'd be like when you go in through a uh, well, when someone in a sitcom or a cartoon who's a moron goes into uh, revolving doors in a department store, uh, they go in and they end up going round and 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 then they come out and then they'll say, oh, I didn't manage to go into the building. I just got stuck in this thing and confused. And then someone else will say to them, no, you were in the shop. You were trying to get out and now you're out. You did it right. You just got confused about where you were wanting to go because of all the going round and round and round and round and round and round uh, like a roundabout uh, when we were children uh, we used to well I used to as entertainment I'd get on the roundabouts in the playground beside the library there were roundabouts so I'd get on the roundabout and I'd go round and 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 round until I got dangerously dizzy uh, which was extremely irresponsible this was part this was part of a library this playground you would think that the people in the library who were always so obsessed about children being brought up to read and be responsible and intelligent you would think they'd do something about that and not let some child go around encircle himself to death spinning around spinning around like there's no tomorrow until you go round and round and round until you get so dizzy you don't even know whether you're still holding on to it or you're about to fly out uh, over the wall out onto the main road to Waterford absolutely fucking ridiculous might as well give a child a revolver if you're going to do that I don't know how a revolver works but I assume it's something similar uh, there's some part on it that revolves and you go revolve 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 isn't that what rush roulette is you get a revolver and it goes round and round and round and round and round and no one knows where it's going to stop uh, so by the time it finishes you you might as well be dizzy because you've no idea whether you're going to come off safely onto the ground 
or come off flying across over the wall and out into traffic because he'll be dazed. And conf- I assume Rush knew that or something like that. Yeah, I saw that film they made about her with Robert De Niro once. Uh, it was something to do with Vietnam. But they showed him, oh, they showed him at home in his hometown, and they were doing stuff, playing Russian roulette. They were going, oh, uh, I'll keep pointing this thing at you until you feel like you're dizzy. Uh, of course, the gun wasn't making him dizzy at all. It was all the alcohol he was drinking because they're doing this in a bar, or were they? No, maybe it was in an apartment or something. I don't know. They were doing it somewhere anyway. They were playing Russian roulette. Uh, they were playing Russian roulette with weapons and guns. They're basically playing Russian roulette with their own lives. They weren't playing Russian roulette with uh, the swings and roundabouts in a children's library in 1981. Uh, they, were, they were not. Although, did that probably came? How do I think about it? That film was probably made around 1981, was it? Something around then, or maybe in the 70s. That's when they were making all the Robert De Niro things. Because uh, that's when Robert De Niro existed. Uh, the producer came along and said, I'd love to make some more movies with that fella, Robert De Niro. Uh, but the producer realised there was the year 2040 and Robert De Niro, sadly, tragically, wasn't around anymore. He's still, he was still alive. He was just gone around and around so much he'd retired. Uh, just, like, uh, just like Al Pacino did at the end of The Last Godfather. Uh, I don't Anyway, the... The producer will say, oh, I'd love to have Robert De Niro for this film, but he's retired, so I'd better go back to 1980s, because uh, that's where Robert De Niro is, and find him then. And then we'll put him in this Russian roulette movie. I'm not saying that's how they actually did it. Uh, time travel hasn't been invented at the moment, and probably won't be for some time. That's going to be unfair then, because when time travel is finally invented, and people can travel back in time and get Robert De Niro to start in their movie that they're making in the future uh, the only producers who will have that advantage are the ones who are living in the times after time travel gets invented I presume that's going to be unfair to the other producers in the past it'll be like they'll have, they'll have outdated technology I imagine if you're some fella in the 1950s and you're thinking oh I wonder could I get Robert De Niro for this film I'm producing. He'd be a perfect role for him. It's about a oh, it's about a boxer who went to do he went in to do some boxing in the in the National Stadium in the North South Circular Road in Dublin around 1991. Uh, it's setting the future. I know this is the 1950s, but it's setting the future. He's a boxer and he goes into the National Stadium where they do the boxing, and it turns out it's exam week. Uh, there's a load of accountancy students. They're doing exams and there's no boxing on at all. Probably went at the wrong time of day because the, the boxing was usually on at night. <coughs> anyway, this producer of the 1950s is thinking Robert De Niro would be perfect for this, unfortunately. Although he is born, he's only three years old at the moment. So if I were to hire him now, I'd have to follow all those laws where you can't you can't work a child for too much. It'll be like that. Uh, sitcom uh what's it called full house and the full house they had a they had a toddler in it in the sitcom and there was she the toddler was played by two different people they took turns the three-year-old toddler played by two uh two children who took turns and they both pretended played the same role they took turns doing it uh and 
I suppose he could. He could have done that. But he'd have to have got two Robert De Niro's then. And neither of them would have any... Well, neither of them would have learnt any acting ability yet. So, be no point. So, no, he said, I'll go back. I'll go up into into the future and get Robert De Niro. And unfortunately, time travel has to be invented yet. So, I'm at a great disadvantage. Uh, I'm very jealous of anyone, any producer who lives in the times after time travel is invented. Because they can just get into their time ship or their time car or their time motorbike or their time roundabout or wherever the because uh, I don't know what the the form what's that thing they call it the something form the design of a device I don't know what the something form will be will a time machine become in the form of a car uh, or a machine that you sit inside like a phone box uh, or a, oh, a bike or something or will it be a roundabout that you stand on and it goes rounding, 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 rounding until you lose attachment to your current time and then you can mentally transport into another time uh, what the fuck is the word? The something form. Form factor. That's what it is. The form factor. I don't know what the form factor of a time machine will be when it's finally invented. It mightn't even be a machine. It might be a... Uh, oh, it might come in the form of an injection or something. Or it might be a... Oh, it might be a place you walk to and when you walk along a certain point, at a certain point, stars are all pointing a certain way or when there's an eclipse or something. If you walk across a certain line of latitude, you'll be able to go into whatever set year you want to travel into. Might be something like that, I don't know. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter that this poor producer in the 1950s is at a great disadvantage because time travel hasn't been invented yet. Now, of course, in the in the 1980s, uh, Steven Spielberg will come along and try to force the issue uh, by creating a series of movies all about time travel. But that's all fiction. It's not going to work out for him. It's not going to work out for him as he learned very quickly when, he, when they started making back to the future they had a different fella first for the michael j fox role and he wasn't working out he wasn't working out so they got rid of him after a week or two and they got michael j fox instead that's how un unskilled that's how oh not unskilled that's just that just goes to show though that he they didn't have control of the whole time travel thing then he couldn't just uh travel forward in time and find out which actor i would have succeeded or maybe he did maybe when they they realised that actor wasn't working out. Maybe they got into a time machine and they said, let's go forward five years now and find out how things panned out after this. How things panned out after I travelled forward in time to find out how things panned out with my movie. Did it become a hit? Uh, who did I hire to replace the fellow who didn't work out? Oh, you could... You could get yourself tied up in knots doing that. You can't be doing that with a film. You cannot. You just have to trust in your own ability to hire someone properly, to cast somebody. But that's the problem. You couldn't... Whoever was producing that film, I think it was Steven Spielberg, when they get, got rid of the first fella who was playing Michael J. Fox, that would straight away have dashed his confidence in terms of uh, casting people. So then he... As you can see, I can see why he'd want to go into the 
into the future and come up with some sort of a cheese. Well, life just doesn't work like that. It just doesn't. It doesn't work like that. You can say, I want it to work like that all you want. You can make your three movies about uh, changing time and time travel with your mad uncle and all the rest of it. But it doesn't work like that no matter what you do. As these fucking producers think they can just mess with the space-time continuum just by making off stuff and hoping it'll come true. No, time travel is not something that you can just uh, hope will come true just by make-believe. It doesn't work like that. Or maybe it does, I don't know. Nobody knows how time travel will work, if it ever does. Maybe it'll work exactly like that. Has that occurred to you? It probably has. Well, I it hasn't occurred to me, so that's why I'm not doing it, and that's why I'm not uh, recognising it as a... Oh, as you know. I'm not recognising it as you know, as, as a valid a valid form of uh, casting and planning for a movie. So no, 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 basically is what I'm saying. I'm saying no, no, no. I'm saying no, no. Like that woman in that other song. No, 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 no. No, 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 there's no limit. No, no, there's no limit. Uh, except there is a limit. We just don't know what it is. Well, there might not be a limit. That's the problem. We've no idea. We've no idea if there's going to be limits to time travel. Uh, well, there may well be. We've no idea if there's going to be no limits either. There might be limits or no limits. It might be an unlimited thing. Or it might be a limited thing, or it might be uh, so limited that it doesn't exist at all, in which case it won't be a thing at all. Uh, so no, I don't know what to do. So that woman had a point there. She had a lot more of a point than your one with the chimney, I can tell you. You're going jamming a chimney down some fella, down some woman's head, wherever she's going to do with it. Uh, we did her. I'm not going to go, I don't want to go too much into the chimney thing because I did half an episode about chimneys last week. There's such a thing as overdoing it. Suffice to say, that woman, uh, you can't go around saying, uh, this woman, I'm suspicious of her, so I'm going to go around asking people what will she look like with a chimney on her. Uh, the time to worry about that is during the chimney design process. That's when you do that. Anyway, on with the show. Travel movie producers walk into a bar. One of the time travel movie producers goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, I'm a time travel movie producer. Well, I will be. I will be at some point. At the moment, I'm a movie producer, but I'm endeavouring to be a time travel movie producer. And by that, I don't mean I'm going to become someone who just produces time travel movies for the rest of my career. No, no. I'm hoping that I'll produce one and then there'll be a couple of sequels. Like, I'll make so much money out of it that I can do whatever I 
want after that, like after that, the sky will be the limit. I'll be able to make all sorts of crap. I'll be able to make Schindler's List, which himself could have benefited from some time travel technology. And instead of just making it all black and white, we could have gone back with cameras into the past and filmed all the actual events in real colour and also helped with it. That would also have helped with uh, bringing people to the War Crimes Commission if you had film evidence of everything like that, uh, filmed by a professional producer. But no, at the moment he's too busy trying to make a... Trying to make a... Oh, I'm trying... Basically, I'm trying to make Back to the Future. That's what it is. I'm not trying to be a time travel movie producer. I'm trying to be a successful producer uh, who goes through a phase during which he makes a successful time travel movie uh, that changes everything for him. Changes it. Although, wait a minute. Was Steven Spielberg not famous before that? I think he was. Didn't he make E.T.? I think he made E.T. Did he make E.T.? And I know he didn't He didn't fucking have to invent a space rocket to make, you know, his, uh, he goes on about time travel. We go on about we all go on about uh, producers needing to be able to time travel to make a movie about time travel. Uh, but you don't, you didn't hear Steven Spielberg saying, I'll have to go to the Mars to have a look at an E.T. before I can make an E.T. movie. You did not. He just made it all up. He just said, uh, here's what an E.T. is going to look like. I don't care if it looks anything like what a real E.T. is. I never want to meet one. Uh, if I do meet one, you can be damn sure the Christ is hell. It won't be a friendly, nice-looking one like this. Uh, so, no, I don't want to meet one. I just want to make one uh, who looks nice and one who I'd like. Because I like, I want a nice E.T., not a scary, not one of the scary blue ones who goes around kidnapping people. No, no, I want a nice E.T goes E.T. phone home uh, and then they're going to make did he make Mac and Me as well no I think that was someone else that was a similar movie to E.T. And then you had that other one, I think it was called Paul or something, that had an alien in it as well. There's a whole string of alien movies where some kid befriends an alien. As far as I'm concerned, the best the best uh, movie of that broader genre was Short Circuit. Uh, at least I was convinced of that at the time, when there was about eight. I thought it was the greatest movie I'd ever seen. And then I saw Short Circuit 2. I thought that was the greatest movie I've ever seen too. I no longer think that. Uh, oh, well, that's not true. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was eight. Uh, so while I no longer think that, uh, I also no longer... I don't... I don't... haven't actively uh, changed my opinion to thinking it wasn't good. I have no opinion on the short circuit anymore. I suspect that if I saw it again, I'd find it to be crap. Uh, but as an intelligent adult, I'd also realise... Uh, that it was perfect from the eight-year-old, eight-year-old of me. Uh, it's the same thing when you go back and watch Sesame Street. You think this isn't what he. This doesn't. I don't like this. This isn't for me. I don't know what the fuck the six-year-old me was thinking. Uh, Kermit and Big Bird and all this. Uh, this waiter with his fly in his soup and. Rover and all that. This is fucking. This is not proper. This is not proper television at all. This is for toddlers. Uh, oh no. <laughs> 
I think I suspect it would be the same for short circuit, except even more so because with the with the Sesame Street and the Muppet Show, at least when you grow up as an adult, you have some understanding of what a fantastic thing it was, and how endearing and uh, what's the word? Ah, you know what I mean. But I don't think the same. I suspect. I fear uh, that I might not feel the same way about short circuit. I won't feel. Oh, this was for six-year-olds, uh, but it's endured for fifty years. I can still imagine six-year-olds of today enjoying it. And if Jim Henson hadn't been such a fucking idiot that he ended up being dead, uh, then he might have made a made an adaptation of this into a puppet thing. They might have brought it back and had short circuit with puppets instead of robots. Uh, I don't know why I think they would do that. But they brought back Fraggle Rock now, as far as I understand it. Uh, I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this. Where am I going with this? I don't I don't know. Something about short sir. Short sir? Where was I even talking about? Uh, was on was this a separate segment from the time travel stuff? I think it was. Oh yes, I did the two two that's where it was. Two time travel movie producers walk into a bar. One of the time travel movies goes straight. One of the time travel movie producers goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, can I have a pint of your finest Guinness, please? And the man behind the bar will say, Certainly, uh, Mr. What's your name? And uh, the older fellow will say Steven Spielberg and the man will say never heard of you no idea who never heard of you don't know you from Adam and uh, oh the time travel movie producer will say oh I'm sorry I didn't realize this was some sort of an elite club where you have to be known to the bar man and the man behind the bar says, Oh, no, not at all. You're perfectly. Anyone's welcome in here. Any riffraff, anyone whose name I don't know. Just anyone. You can just come in here and have a pint of Guinness and just pretend you're somebody. It's all fine. I'm sorry. I'm the- I'm sorry I uh, gave you the wrong impression there. That was that was unprofessional of me. I do apologise, uh, whoever you are. You're perfectly, you're as welcome here as any famous, any famous producer who's made... Oh, if you were... If a fella came in here right now, I can tell you who'd made Schindler's List. I would give him no more respect or no less respect than I give to you as an ordinary nobody. Uh, and... Uh, the movie producer will say, that's great, thank you very much. Uh, but I think you'll find I do go on to become the fellow who makes Schindler's List. And the barman will go, what's Schindler's List? And Steven Spielberg will go, that's the thing you were just talking about, he said. Uh, if the if a producer came in and said he was going to make Schindler's List, uh, you'd treat him the same as me. And the barman said, oh, I see what you mean, you're thinking this... Oh, you're thinking that this would be some other producer who's making a movie about Schindler's List. No, no, I'm talking about uh, Oscar Schindler, uh, the fellow who made Schindler's List. He wrote down the list. Uh, I presume, I don't remember the exact details, but uh, maybe he had a secretary write up the list or something, or somebody sneaked out a list to him, I don't know. But no, the fellow who made the actual list, not the movie. Who gives a fuck about a movie? No, the actual list uh, in Schindler's List, uh, in the 
No, I don't. I know. I don't mean there's any. I don't think. I don't mean there's going to be a movie called Schindler's List. No, no. What kind of a moron would do that? Ah, uh, no, no. There's a thing called Schindler's List. It's a list, and it belonged to Schindler, or was given to Schindler, and was a uh, oh, basically. Uh, there's probably a book called Schindler's List all about it. You can probably look it up if you're interested. But no, no. If some movie, if some fella came in here and said, uh, "I made Schindler's List," I'd say, "Oh." There's a good chance that this is Oscar Schindler, uh, but I'm going to treat him exactly the same way as that lunatic over there who's talking about making time travel movies, and he's saying he might make Schindler's List of a movie in the future. It'd be exactly the same, and then Steven Spielberg will say, uh, "I know you. T- I know you mean this in a kind way, but what you're actually saying is that if." If the real Oscar Schindler came in here, uh, you would say he was no better than me, uh, some movie producer who's half half thinking of making a movie about him at some point in the future. That seems a bit silly. A bit silly. Not that, I mean, I take it as a massive compliment, but no, a bit silly. Uh, I'm just some movie producer. And the band behind the bar says... Ah, uh, what of it? What of it? Ah, uh, who's your friend there, by the way? And Steven Spielberg will say, Oh, the other the other movie producer who came into the bar with me. I have no idea. He's, he hasn't made any movies yet. Ah, uh, he's hoping to. He's hoping to become a movie producer. I suppose if you're a movie producer and you don't make a movie until, say, your early 20s, you could argue that for the first 20 years of your life, you are producing that first movie. That's nice. It's like, it's like with music. Musicians, when they bring out their first album of songs, say around in their early twenties, they've been they've been writing those songs and planning them and taking their up and homing their skills for their whole childhood and teenagership. Ah, uh, so you could say you could say the same of a producer. You could say he's been producing his first movie since he was three. Now, of course, a three-year-old movie producer wouldn't be allowed to work long hours, so it's going to take them 20 years to come up with their first movie. It's not like when you get a toddler as an actor, uh, like in that sitcom. What's, what's that sitcom called? Oh, you know, the one, Full House. Had uh, the three-year-old toddler twins both playing the same child so they could break up the work a bit. A producer can't do that. Three-year-old movie producer can't say, Oh, I'm working on writing this movie, but I'm not allowed to... Oh, there's a law. Hold on, how did you mention it? Is there, is there any law saying that a child, a three-year-old child... Uh, who's writing a movie uh, is not allowed to write it for more than three hours in a, a time. That child could be write, writing that movie in its head, uh, in its imagination, all day and night. And there's nothing any fucking, there's nothing any laws can do about it. They can't come in and say, that's child labour laws. That child is thinking too much. That child is dreaming about the movie it's going to make. It's thinking about her all day in its mind. Uh, we know because we record its thoughts somehow. No, oh, no, it's not. Well, it's not the same. So it's not the same for movie producers as it is for children. At least at that age, at three years old. A three-year-old child who wants to aspires to be in, being an actor is not going to be allowed to work long hours acting. Uh, but her movie producer is. Uh, as long as they don't tell anyone and keep it to themselves. Uh, what three-year-old, though, do you know who uh, doesn't do... Who won't tell anyone anything and keeps everything to themselves. Uh, only the ones who haven't learned to talk yet. And are they really going to be producing a movie at that age? I don't think so. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. 
Uh, people have made movies. People have made Netflix, Netflix serials about Stranger Things. Uh, did I say serials? Is that the right word? It is. It's right. It's a serial. And I thought for a minute there, as I was saying, I said, what the fuck do I mean Netflix serials? Do I mean some sort of corn cornflakes that's branded Netflix? That'd be ridiculous. A big N, a big box of cornflakes with an N on it. And we're supposed to think, what? It's a new, they ran out of cartoon characters to put on their cereal boxes or that they're not allowed to market them at children anymore. So they just put a big Netflix N on the front of their box. How's that going to help anyone? I don't know. Maybe they're not trying to help anyone. When people bring out cereals and invent new cereal branding, they're not trying to help anyone. They're just trying to market their cereal. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. They're not, they're not Mother Teresa. They're just cereal marketing experts. And maybe the fellow who invented the cereal in the first place meant well. Uh, well, except for Dr. Dr. Colleg, he was a fucking weirdo. Oh, no, there is, I don't know who the Quaker fella is or who, whoever invented... Uh, what's the other one? No, not Frosties, because that was Colleg as well. Now that, you think about, now that I think about it, most of them were Colleg. Uh, Colleg invented most of these cereals, him or his descendants... Uh, so no, there's a bit of a monopoly going on there. Uh, so no, it mightn't be a bad thing if there was a Netflix branded cereal, but it's probably, unfortunately, the way the market is, it's likely that that cereal will be made by Kellogg's. Uh, so it wouldn't really be a, a, a new departure, it'd just be new branding, just a new way to sell us more of the same crap and shove them down our children's throats like there's no tomorrow. Is that really what you want? I don't, I don't think it is. Is that what you want? Certainly not what I want. I don't want anything particular in terms of the, the cereal marketing industry. I barely eat cereal at all, so I don't really care. All I'm saying is that's not what I want, and it's probably not what you want. Uh, I suppose the, the whole question is whether it's the, what the people who the stuff is marketed at want. Is it what the cereal, the cereal eaters want? Well, that's the thing, you see. The, the whole point of marketing cereals is to trick people into thinking that that's what they want. So it's not really what they want. It's what they're being told they want. And most people who eat cornflakes hate cornflakes. You don't want to eat it at all. But they've seen some ad that's told them, you like cornflakes, you want cornflakes, and you're going to eat them. And they watch this advertisement and they think, oh... I thought I didn't like cornflakes and that I didn't want them. Well, if they watch this now, and I seem to be wanting them and liking them, even though they're disgusting. They taste like crap to me. They taste like absolute cr Maybe I want crap. Is that what I mean? Could that be possible? Uh, that's how Cocoa Pops got invented. Absolutely fantastic. In the 1990s, they had the Cocoa Pops monster. Uh, no monster, the monkey. Yeah, the Cocoa Pops monkey. Uh, on the television every five minutes during children's programme and he say, oh, we have this new thing. It's like Rice Krispies where it's covered in chocolate. And he would actually say straight out as if it was a selling point uh, that when you pour the milk in, it turns the milk brown. It turns the milk chocolate flavour and that was considered a good thing. It turns the milk brown so it looks literally like diarrhoea. Uh, can you get diarrhoea that's pure liquid? I don't know. Uh, I looked though. Where would you get? Where would you get it? <laughs> oh, it's probably in one of those other aisles where it wouldn't be in the main cereal aisle. It would be in the aisle with 
Oh, the, I know the oil for the people who are allergic to things and they have that stuff where they have, oh, some gluten-free. And they say it's gluten-free Rice Krispies. Uh, you just put some milk in it and it takes all the gluten out of the milk automatically and wait, and then it turns out the gluten is what makes the milk white. So when you turn, when you take out the water, the gluten from the milk, then you're left with a brown liquid. Uh, it's not really from the from the cocoa pops at all. It's from the oh, it's after the liquid. Uh, there's no such thing as milk pasteurization, by the way. They're just all that's happening there is that they're taking out the gluten, which is what makes the milk white, and then you're left with natural milk color, as it, as it normally is supposed to look like when it comes out of a natural cow. Uh, milk is brown. Uh, but I didn't tell you that. Uh, you're just going to be thinking about it for the next few days now. And you're never going to eat cereal again. And your life will never be the same. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Fantastic.